You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Last week, we began a new series that will lead us into our church's 17-year anniversary service. And this, go ahead, yeah, yeah, praise God for that. Yeah. Um, this series, I'm, I'm calling it history. Um, we're looking at the significance of humanity's relationship with God, and we're looking at 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 five areas. Uh, first of all, the creation, that was last week, the creation, the chosen, the Christ, the church, and the comeback. Um, this is his story, history. It's his story. Uh, and, and we just get to be a supporting character in it. But, but as you're going to see, although he is the star of the story, he made it all about you. Isn't that just like our God? He's the star of the story, but he made it all about you. So let me show you how we get there um, as we continue this series. In our home, there is an ongoing joke that Mandy loves one of her children more than she loves the other one. Now, of course, she denies this to be true. She says it's not true. And I must admit, if, if I'm honest, we have embellished this situation to make it that much more fun. Um, but, but we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I know that deep down, Mandy does not love one of her children more than she loves the other one. I know that. You can just ask her. And she'll tell you that she loves her son, Caleb, and her daughter, not Caleb, equally. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. The jokes continue. Sorry. Um, I don't care who you are. It's comforting to hear your mother say that she does not have a favorite child, unless you're an only child, <laughs> that it just hits differently, right? And, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I have a favorite child. I do. I, and, you know, sometimes you just got to tell the truth and shame the devil, right? I have a favorite child. The only problem is he's not my child. <laughs> His name is Knox, and he's my grandchild. Knox is my favorite child out of all of the children that have ever been born on the face of the planet, including my own. So, today, church, I am going to lead you through so many scriptures, it's going to leave your head spinning. I've already warned the media team, and, and this, this is, if you're taking notes, you better have your pen ready because there are just lots of scriptures today. As a matter of fact, there's not like a main text today. This is not how I normally preach. But I think it is important for the journey that we're on with this series. And so just just be ready. Be ready because I'm about to bombard you as we go through the scriptures here. Amen? The nation of Israel, more specifically, the Hebrew people, are known as God's chosen people. And and it appears that they are his favorite. That out of all the people groups on the planet, God chose to make a covenant with the people of Israel. And the Old Testament in its entirety is, is basically the story of God's interaction with his chosen people. And, and throughout the Hebrew scriptures, God repeats time and time again that they have a special status as his chosen nation. For example, after God delivered the Hebrews from the oppression of the hands of the Egyptians, he tells them in Exodus 19 and 5, now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And then when Israel was preparing to enter the promised land the first time, um, Moses said to them in Deuteronomy 7 and 6, he says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. 
The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. When David was, was made to be king of Israel, he reflected on God's faithful commitment to his covenant with his chosen people in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 23 and 24. And he says, And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem, who, who went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods? And you establish for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. It is obvious, church. You cannot deny this. It's so obvious that Israel is God's chosen nation over all the other people groups in the Old Testament. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. They were his favorite. And so this raises a number of questions for me, and probably some questions that you have, if you're brave enough to admit that you have these questions. As you hear that Israel is God's favorite people, they're his chosen people, questions like these should come to your mind. First of all, does God love Israel now more than he loves all the other nations? It's a good question. Because if he loved them then, in the Old Testament, more than he loved all the other nations, does he now love them more than all the other nations? Also, it seems as if Jesus extends his love in the New Testament to all people groups. It seems very apparent that that was the mission of Christ. Does this contradict God in the Old Testament? It's a good question. And finally, does God eventually go to plan B when Israel seemingly rejects his love over and over and over? Um, in other words... Are we God's plan B? Another great, great question for us to ask ourselves. And I think it's something that we have to dive into the scriptures and we have to study to see where we fit in in the history between God and humanity because it's important for us to know this. And so today I want to answer these questions by asking the question that all of these other questions hinge upon. And it's this, why Israel? Why was Israel chosen to be God's people? Why Israel? In order to do this, we've got to go back to Deuteronomy and what Moses said to the Hebrews. And so I want to read Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. And trust me, we're going to be going all over the place. We'll be back to Deuteronomy in a moment. But um, in, in Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8, listen to what Moses said to the Hebrew nation that, that becomes Israel. Okay, so, so listen, listen to what he says. Verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you, and here it is, is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. If you want to know why God chose Israel, there's your answer. It was because of an oath that, that God swore to their fathers. The favoritism toward Israel started because of an oath that God made with their fathers, their ancestors, and it really, honestly, it had nothing to do with them, but because of his word, it included them. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we, we see where it all began. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, now listen, Abram and Abraham are interchangeable. God is going to change his name from Abram to Abraham, okay? So when we, when we talk about this, just know Abram and Abraham are the same person. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so this is where it starts. Church, understand that God's love for Israel starts in this moment when God made a covenant promise to Abraham. Years later, a famine breaks out in that land that God led Abraham to, led Abram to, and his son Isaac, who is now grown, moved to Gerar. It was there that God reestablished his covenant now with Abraham's son, since he is the seed of Abraham. He, he reestablishes his covenant with Isaac, Genesis 26, verses 3 through 4. He says, live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will, I will be with you and bless you. And hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Many years later, now we're going to fast forward now. Many years later, Isaac's son, Jacob, Abraham's grandson. Remember, the original covenant was with Abraham, reestablished with Jacob, and now, or reestablished with Isaac, rather, and now we have Jacob, Abraham's grandson. He has a dream, and in that dream, God speaks to him. Genesis 28, verses 13 and 14. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What I need you to understand and the reason why I'm going through this history is because in all the earth, God found a man that was listening close enough to hear his voice. Now, we don't have any other proof, but I am telling you this. Abraham was listening when God started speaking. And I believe that that same principle applies today. I, I think if we are listening, God is constantly speaking and he's just looking for someone that will listen. So in all the earth, he found a man that was listening close enough to his voice. He was faithful enough to obey his voice and trusting enough to follow his voice. So God made Abram a promise that God reestablished with his son Isaac and then he re-reestablished it with his son Jacob. Everybody called up? You good? This promise, this covenant, was inherited by their descendants, known as the Hebrews, that God made into a great nation called Israel, consisting of 12 tribes named after Jacob's sons. There you go. One righteous man found favor with God, and then his whole family, and eventually a whole nation, was chosen by God simply because of a covenant that God made with one man named Abraham. But don't miss the promise that God made and repeated to the first three generations of this covenant. Don't miss it. I read it to you, but I want you to hear it again. He told Abram, Genesis 12 and 3, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Somebody say all. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then God told Isaac, Genesis 26 and 4, And through your descendants... All the nations of the earth 
will be blessed. And then he told Jacob, Genesis 28 and 14, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. The purpose of God blessing Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob was to bless all the families of the earth. This should be comforting to us. This should, should help us to start realizing that we were part of God's original plan. That what started with one man became a, a worldwide blessing. So I want to go back now to, to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19. And I want to bring your attention to a very specific phrase that God used to describe Israel. Listen to this phrase. Exodus 19 verses 5 and 6. I warned you. I'm bombarding you with scripture. I know it, but, but you need to know this. Listen to this phrase that God uses. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. There it is. He tells them, he says, you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. God refers to Israel as a kingdom of priests. So now you have to ask yourself, what was the role of a priest? If God is assigning them this title, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. What was the role of the priest? The role of the priest was to mediate or restore the relationship between two parties. That was the role of the priest. He was the mediator between God and man. A priest would offer the prayers and sacrifices on behalf of the people to reconcile their relationship with God Almighty. That was the role of the priest. So in calling them a kingdom of priests, God was establishing Israel as the go-between. Their role would be to reconcile the nations back to God. Remember, between two parties. And the only ones that are, are, are alive at the moment that this is said is humanity and God, which I'm pretty sure is still intact today. Israel's job was to establish, reestablish that relationship between God and humanity. They were the go-between. Notice that once God chooses uh, one, one out of many, then he blesses everyone. That's the goal. That's what God wanted to do. Then the prophets start talking about it as you continue through the Old Testament. Again, the Old Testament is, is the story of God's chosen people as they relate to, to God Almighty, okay? And so in Isaiah 42 and 1, this is where it's, it starts taking a shift. It starts taking a, a swing here for us, and, and, and especially for us. Isaiah 42 and 1 says, Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. Now, if you're not caught up in your Bible prophecy and you need a little nudge, a little hint here, I know sometimes when me and the staff, once a year we go and we do a staff day out and, and we like to do escape rooms. We like it. And every once in a while, it's a little too tough for us and we need a nudge. And, 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 and some of the escape room places, like the, the, the game masters there, they will not let us get a hint or a nudge Unless everyone in the room waves their hands at the camera. So I need everyone in the room to wave your hands at the camera right now and let me know. Let me know that you need a nudge, okay? Are you, I'm going to do it anyway, even if you don't participate. <laughs> He's talking about Jesus. <clears throat> He's talking about Jesus here. He says, look at my servant whom I, whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I've put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. You go down to verse 6. 
And he says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. My righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. Isaiah uh, 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 49 and verse 6, he says, you will do more than restore you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. That's non-Jews. That's non-Hebrews. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> this prophecy said that God is going to raise up a chosen one. Not 12. Not a whole nation. He said, I'm going to raise up a chosen one, and he will be, here's what he said, he will be a light to guide the nations and that he would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You flip over to the New Testament hundreds of years later and Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, it says, and again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. What did Isaiah said? He's going to be a light to guide the nations. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Isaiah said he is going to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I hope it's, it's clicking for you. I hope it's, it's all coming together for you. What some may see as favoritism is actually the exact opposite. <laughs> Hear me, church. Before you buy into God's chosen people is Israel, and I do believe that. Wholeheartedly, I believe that. And I believe whoever blesses Israel is blessed. I think whoever curses Israel is cursed. So you better pray for our nation. We need to continue blessing Israel. I believe that. But when it comes to the salvation of people and who God loves, you need to understand that it wasn't favoritism. God chose Israel to bring forth Jesus out of the tribe of Judah. And the results are the exact opposite as he includes the whole world from the very beginning in Genesis. He says, I am going to do this. I'm going to bless Abraham so that through him I can bless the entire world. It's John 3.16. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have have eternal life. Why? Because he loved the world. From the beginning all the way to the end, God has always loved the world. And that includes us, church. What started with a covenant with one man extended to a nation which produced the Messiah, which led to the salvation of the whole world. God chose a man near the cradle of civilization where it all began named Abraham and, and, and said, I can use you. And through him, he eventually brought forth the Messiah, one lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And here's the thing that I know, and you've got you've to believe me in this. He is still calling individuals today not to be the sacrificial lamb, but to share the good news of the sacrificial lamb. We're still chosen. Yes, Israel was chosen because of Abraham. But he has extended it to us. We're still chosen. Everyone has that story of, of not being chosen. If you don't have it, we hate you. But chances are you have that story of not being chosen. I mean, seriously, we, we, we've all experienced rejection at some point in, in our lives. We've all experienced rejection. 
whether it be at the hands of, of a love interest that rejected you or the employer that didn't hire you or the employer that didn't keep you, it's rejection. That fraternity or that sorority that didn't choose you, it's rejection. All the way down to our childhood when the kickball captains wouldn't pick you and you're picked last to be on the team. It, it's rejection. And that feeling of rejection can easily define you if you allow it to. If you let it, it can define you. And there's so many people that, they're, even Christians, they're going through life and they've allowed past rejection dictate what they do and what they don't do for the kingdom of God. Because the enemy knows that, that rejection is a form of isolation and he's always trying to isolate. It's the reason why the scripture says that, that our enemy, Satan, that he walks around as a roaring lion. I've, I've, I've shared this before, but, but it, it's to isolate prey because roaring lions, they're old lions. The, the younger lions don't roar. Older lions learn that my roar can, can, can scare my prey. And so they roar, and when they roar, it, 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 it has the tendency to make them the, the prey freeze. I mean, they, they just, they, they, they can't move. They're, they're petrified. That's when the old lion can catch up with them. Your enemy, Satan, walks around as a roaring lion. He is roaring loudly so that he can isolate you, so that he can pounce on you, and he can destroy you. You have to understand that. Rejection is just that. Rejection is that roaring lion that, that just makes you feel like you're all by yourself in this thing. And it, it makes you feel useless. And, and if you're not careful, it will hinder who you're supposed to be in Christ Jesus. I played basketball in high school. And in 11th grade, my, my dad moved our family to Lake City. You see, I was born into a pastor's home. That's all I know. I was born into a pastor's home. And every now and then, we would have to move. But we had spent nine years in Taylor County. And, and it was there where I went from second grade through 10th through grade, and I, I had played basketball. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, it's smaller school. Everyone knows you. You know everyone. And, and then all of a sudden, Daddy says, we're moving to, to Lake City. I'm, I'm going to go pastor a church in Lake City. That high school was much larger. Matter, matter of fact, the graduating class, uh, uh, my graduating class, had as many students in the graduating class as we had in our entire high school in Taylor County. Just, just to put in perspective for you. And so my first week of attending Columbia High School in Lake City, I'm standing there in the commons. It's in the middle of the school. It, it's, it's just a, a, a gathering place for all the students. And I'm standing there, and, and there's another new guy with me. And, and he was even taller than me. I called him Slim. Slim was even taller than me. And, and we're just standing there talking. We don't know anybody. And the basketball coach. Now, I don't want to talk ugly about anyone, but he was about this tall and about, about that wide, too. And he came walking up to us. He sees two guys, both above 6'2", and he comes walking up to us. And, and he looks at the taller of the two first. He looks at Slim, and he says, hey, what grade are you in? He says, I'm in 10th grade. Now, our high school went 10th through 12th grade. We had a separate 9th grade center. It was 10th through 12th grade. And he said, I'm in 10th grade. He said, Perfect. I need you to come out for basketball tryouts. I'm guaranteeing you a spot with that height. You need to come out. He said, okay. He looked at me. And he said, what grade are you in? I said, I'm in 11th grade. He said, oh, it's too late for you. 
And the man turned around and walked off. Rejection. Now, I would love to tell you that I got my revenge. And I went and tried out and I showed them. The truth is, I let it get all in my head. And I couldn't stand that man. And I never went and tried out again for basketball. In the last two years of high school, I didn't even play. That was the end of my high school basketball career. New student, new school, rejection. Too many people let the rejections of life render them useless to what God has called them to do. Somebody in here, you've, you've felt rejected at some point. And, and maybe it is because you're not the favorite child. Maybe it is because of, of a failed relationship. Or maybe it is because of a failed career. Whatever that looks like in your life, you have felt that rejection. But I need you to understand this. And maybe this is the only reason God wanted me to preach this message today. is simply this. You are chosen. You're chosen. God chose you just as God chose Abraham. He chose you. John 15 and 16 says, Jesus is speaking. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He chose you. And I don't want you to forget what Peter told a mixed group of believers, Jews and Gentiles, in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, as he echoes what God said to Israel in the Old Testament, he says to all of these people, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies in him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you see he called us a royal priesthood and what we are called to do is to be that mediator to be that connection between humanity and God we don't supply the salvation but we point to the salvation we point to the cross and we tell them there's hope for your life because of what Jesus Christ did for you we will not allow the enemy to render us useless we will step into our calling because we are called by God and we are chosen by God you're chosen to be a part of his story you are you're chosen to be a part of his story and when you step into that you're stepping into the story of God this is where he includes us in his story in history and listen, there's a lot of world history to be told, but there is nothing more important than the history of God and humanity. And he chose to let us be a supporting cast in it, and you have to accept it, and you cannot say, no, I'm not worthy, no, I'm, I shouldn't be included in this, no, I don't have time for this, no, no, no. You have to understand, he chose you. You didn't even choose him. He chose you. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.